0: race fans Ryan Aho here and the one and only Bert Lehman bringing you episode 183 of the one to go show Bert, I I gotta be honest kind of excited last week record numbers over 11,000 views (laughs) thank you to everybody for tuning in I I know it was a little bit of a hot topic last week Can have a little follow-up on that here this week as well but uh
1: I, I think they were all tuning in to see uh, how your picks went last week.
0: Yeah, not real good. <laughs> I, that's a donkey award all by itself right there, Bert. I mean, literally, if if you're ever in a pick'em's contest with me, let me go first, do the opposite. You'll be just fine. I I've been sucking bad, bad. <laughs> um, I think maybe, you know, Jeff Krause was on our show one time, boom, record viewing. Maybe that was it. I don't know. I'm not really sure. So, but thanks for him for jumping on, and thanks for everybody for viewing. And, of course, episode 183, Bert, brought to you by our friends over at Zuli's Race Engines. Not a lot of racing, Bert. A lot of rain. Mother Nature, probably a donkey award to Mother Nature. She was not very cooperative last week. Um, but we did get some racing in. One thing for sure, Zuli's found their way to Victory Lane. Tucker Peterson, he parked in Victory Lane with a street stock. Justin Vogel, who's been a little cool as of late in victory lane twice with the streeter ty schuler found victory lane you know so the one thing is for sure even though there wasn't a lot of racing they still find a way to win races so not only do they have the horsepower you know to go and win races they have the durability to win championships But it's getting to that time of the year where we're just about to the midway point where people start looking at the point standings and championships well you need to have a good mill under your hood that's going to go the distance. If you can't beat them, join them, Zuli's race engine. So on today's show, Bert, a uh, little follow-up from last week. Is Todd Staley from the US MTS to blame for Dennis McCauley getting fired? We'll talk about that first. Top five moments. Got some pretty good ones. Other news from around the area. Not a lot of racing. Some pretty cool stuff happened. Um, fan feedback got a lot of fans sending us information, um, sending us questions, sending us feedback. Thank you to them. Got, got a little bit of that here this week. Our weekly uh, ass kicking section, uh, Bert finding his way back to the top in the pickums, Ryan finding his way back down to the bottom. Some bold predictions, so uh, and the fans are starting to partake there too, Bert. Uh, we have fans uh, pretty much every week now sending us their three bold predictions. That's pretty cool. So, tune in for that. So let's, uh, let's warm things up, Bert, with a little hot laps. Now, I'll just start by saying hot laps. Some of y'all forgot what hot laps are. Hot laps are where you warm things up, right? Um, some tracks don't have them anymore. I'm a firm believer every track needs them, but whatever. It is what it is. But here's the deal. What's hot today? What's the hot topic today? The hot laps, right? Before we get into that, Bert, how about a shout out to Brad Parson, Brad Parson Egg Solutions, One thing we know for sure, we know this, if you have the right chemicals in your spray packages, you're gonna have better results in farming. You're gonna get more higher yields, more profitability. If you wanna learn more about the products he has to offer that are proven, he works primarily in Western Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota, give Brad a call, 320-219-3542. Again, 320-219-3542. Thanks to Brad. He's a racer, part of the racing community, has a lot of great products out there. Find out how he can help your farming situation. So I pose the question, Bert Todd Staley, USMTS, right? He has a USRA as well. Is he to blame, right, for Dennis McCauley getting removed from the Wasota board? Well, people are like, what the hell are you talking about? Why would, what does that have anything to do with anything? It's a USMTS. Bert. so last week on the show, we were, we were pretty vocal about the fact that a certain promoter, Don Shaw, called every single board member, right, except for one, by the way, and and basically voiced his displeasure on how Dennis McCauley was handling some things and said that he should be kicked off the board, and lo and behold, he got kicked off the board. Well, then in some Facebook posts, there was, there was comments made that said, well... That wasn't all of it. There's more to the story, but that's not for me to say. Bert, I talked to a Wasota board member. I did my due diligence. I talked to one of the board members. In fact, Mike Jordet, because um, it was—I mean, it was four to one, right? Gus Olmenson, I believe, was the one because he's from the same area as Dennis. And I asked him. I said, "What's what's the deal?" And and he says, "You know, you're about ninety-eight percent right." He said. You can probably chalk a lot of it up to hurt feelings. We'll get into that in a second. But here's the other things, Bert. This is no BS. I can't even make this up. One of the things that they fired Dennis McCauley over was at the Wasota 100 last year in his, on his camper. He had a couple different flags up there, one of them being the USMTS flag. What? What the hell are we talking about? The USMTS is basically the modified version of the World of Outlaw Sprint Cars. It's the modified version of the Lucas Oil Dirt Late Model Series or the World of Outlaw Late Model Series. It's, it doesn't have anything to do with Wasota with God forbid the guy's a fan of racing and likes other racing. He likes all aspects of racing. They said, oh, you got to take that down. You got to take that down. That's, that's unprofessional. You're a Wasota board member. Um, last I checked, he's the Wasota board member that promotes Wasota racing. A billion times more than all of the other board members combined. So go lay by your dish, right? Because this is ridiculous, right? He does his part. He did promoting. He had the best series in Minnesota racing. But oh my goodness, he had a USMTS flag. He's had it up for years. Why? Because he likes the USMTS. Big deal. In fact, you know Mike Jardetzl owns Minnesota Truck Headquarters. He sponsors a USMTS car. Is that a conflict of interest? I would say absolutely not. One thing has nothing to do with the other, right? So Todd Staley, because he puts together a great series, the best modified series in all of racing, he got Dennis McCauley fired. Say that, of course, jokingly, right? But it's ridiculous. Well, how is that even a thing? And they're like, well, it was an argument. He didn't want to take it down. Nor should he have. Who gives a shit? Nobody cares. So I'm gonna have a call to action, Bert. okay I'm gonna have a call to action from the one to go show. if you support Dennis McCauley, okay and you're going to the Wasota 100, that's a topic all by itself, the Wasota 100, okay But if you're gonna to go to the Wasota 100, okay and and uh you're a fan and you're you're looking at this going man, this whole deal is a bunch of bunk, go get yourself a flag. pick your favorite series. doesn't have to be the US MPS it can be anything. Could be IMCA. You want to get under their skin? Get that one, right? Could be IMCA, (laughs) USRA, World of Outlaw Sprint Cars. I don't care what it is. There is nothing wrong with being a fan. I would be willing to bet that some of these board members that voted this way have probably been seen at racetracks at some point wearing a, a Lucas Oil Dirt Late Model Series shirt, a USMTS shirt, right? Who cares? get a flag, get your favorite flag. When you go to the 100, loud and proud, wave it off the top of your hauler, the top of your camper, get a bunch of them, get all the series, whatever you got to do, and just do that just to get under the skin of some of these ignorant Minnesota board members, okay? Bert, what's your thoughts on this? I mean, is, how is that a thing? What I mean, what, am I missing something here? I mean, what's your thoughts?
1: um, I mean, just, I mean, from an outsider looking in, you know all, all this news is news to me and and everything it just seems very if 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 they're that upset over over the flake incident it just seems very petty um and i mean the the purpose of of a board is to better the organization and it just seems like you have jealousy and People are just making decisions uh, on a whim, um, and that's not how you run a successful business, organization, nonprofit group, anything.
0: <laughs> no, it, it's really sad. And there's all kinds of different personalities, right? Some people are very mild, you know, and they're like they they don't like confrontation. Some people are a little bit more vocal when when they when something gets under their skin, they're louder, right? That's just human nature, right? Any organization of any kind is going to have a number, a number of people, right? Well, then then it was cited that, well, it, it was essentially bullying. Okay, bullying. Well, basically they said, well, he wasn't asked for his opinion. Soda even went on. Here's how chicken shit this organization is, Bert. They put a post on their social media. Um, don't ever don't ever get a, basically, I don't remember exactly the words, but don't, don't get offended by somebody's opinion if if you wouldn't take their opinion in the first place. Please. That's a shot at, well, Dennis McCauley, maybe me, maybe Krause, I, I don't know, but like what the hell is a wasota social media person doing basically taking live shots, right, at a board member they just removed? You want to talk about Petty, come on, right? So, they talk about, well, he wasn't asked for his opinion and it was so in-depth, and it hurt that person's feelings. Burn, it hurt their feelings, okay? So we had to get rid of them, because that's bullying. You can't be hurting people's feelings. Well, please explain to me how the hell Bill Anglestead has a job there. He's the definition of hurt feelings. The guy's been an asshole the whole time he's been in Lasota, and he treats everybody like crap. Promoters, drivers, pit crew, and tech guys from different tracks. Always has, always will. How's he still? He's a paid employee, and his level of professionalism is l- literally on a scale of one to Dennis McCauley, It's like a three. Okay. I mean, it's brutal. Chris Steppen, another guy known for flat out bullying people, right? Up in, you know, he's, he's done it forever. How's he still there? I don't know. I'm against bullying too. I mean, if you go over, I mean, if you get your point across and then you just keep going and going and going and going specifically on somebody, yeah, that's bullying. And and maybe he was a little bold. He's a little harsh. He's, I've had confrontations with Dennis myself, but the fact is we're talking Don Shaw, Don Shaw. I got nothing against Don Shaw. I In fact, I'm, I'm kind of like him in a lot of ways, Bert. Like I, I've been a hothead. I've, My pit guys would be happy to tell you about times I threw my steering wheel, bounced my helmet off the deck, tin, right? I've done it all, right? Don Shaw's done the same thing, completely had meltdowns at the racetrack, yelling, screaming at people, and he wants to get somebody fired because they were mean? What are we talking about here? Yeah. I
1: mean, if if they're contending that that's bullying and that's why he needed to be voted off the board i mean basically kicked out of wasota um so if a driver confronts another driver um is that bullying are you going to kick this driver out of wasota and not allow them to race anymore
0: that's a good question Bert. i'm telling you that's a good question i mean it's dirt track racing there's hot tempers there's emotion there's passion right and and some people don't take criticism well and they're like oh man they were bullying me this is, this is a bunch of hogwash, right? So another thing he got cited for is last year, he went into a, into a private meeting with the board and the employees were there and, and I wasn't there. So I didn't, I don't know the exact words, but he got all over the social media person for wisota basically saying this person don't do their job. We're paying them. They don't do anything. Right. And, and I'm sure he was, I'm sure he was bold and he brought a lot of facts and he brought a lot of numbers and they and the good old boys club that we call Wasoda was like, oh man, they they blindsided that poor person. Well, if you ain't doing your job in a real traditional business, you're replaced, right? It, it, but guess what? They're not going to replace that person because it's family to somebody else that's there and buddies with Rod. So that just ain't going to happen. Okay, Bert. There's one more thing. Okay, so if people want to know what is everything that he got removed for, a voicing his opinion when it supposedly wasn't asked for, which whatever. I'm going to give people advice right now. Okay, write this down. If somebody criticizes or critiques anything you do and they write it down or email you and you don't like what they have to say, delete it, crumple it up, throw it away. Who gives a shit? Don't Don't matter. People critique me all the time. Don't care. Don't care. You know, it is what it is. Don't put too much stock into that. People, I mean, we live in a world of reviews. People are always critiquing. I believe he did it with the right intentions, Bert. I believe that he's like, you know what? I, I want all these places to get better. Here's what I think is going to make it better. It wasn't asked for. It wasn't you know? They didn't talk about it on the board. Whatever. Okay. So that's not grounds for firing, right? And you know, you have that. You have him coming down on Carson or on Cameron for not doing her job. You have him having the USMTS flag. But the real, the real bad one, Bert. The real bad one here is at the Wasota meeting last year in front of the room, you know, half the promoters don't even go to the meeting, but half of them were there. He, he was up in front of the room and he, he commanded a lot of people, right? Only board member that did it. And he said, I went to a lot of different racetracks last year. And, you know, I, I had a criteria of how I kind of graded them. And I want to give a special award to the track that I thought I had the best experience at. So he gave an award to the Thunder City Speedway. Well, how in the world is that a bad thing? Oh, because that board member shouldn't single out favorites. That track's better. It's, it's an award. He thought it was a great experience going there. So now we have board members and all that that are piss whining because he commended a racetrack? Are you shitting me? That's that's the kind of organization Lasota has, Bert. And, and I gotta be honest with you. When I said burn it down last week, burn this dumpster fire down because it's a shit show. The whole organization sucks. The business structure is absolutely terrible. You know, you got a whole bunch of people that are volunteers. You ain't going to volunteer anytime. You know, people got, they got to pay their bills. So the whole, the whole business structure is stupid. And then you got, like you said, pettiness and jealousy and all that. And it's just, it's just a waste of time. It's just, it's just grinds my gear so anything else on that topic before we move on
1: well my question is basically everything you just listed happened last year why is this all going down now at the end of june in the middle of a race season
0: because he because don shaw made a phone call or several phone calls that's why it was it was all because he critiqued two tracks he didn't like what he had to say and they got all butthurt about it, and they called the board members, and, and he got kicked off the board. Now, here's another thing, Bert. Okay, here's a question for you. you you've you been around a long time. In any traditional business of any kind, if you got a board member, employee, or whatever, and, and they say, hey, there's disciplinary action, right? You know, like they were, uh, I guess, bullying, or whatever words you want to use. If they were, you know, maybe some kind of a I don't know what the word is for it, but basically they they just weren't acting right. At work. Disciplinary action, right? Typically, isn't there a process, right? You have to write write it down, document it, warn them, say, "Hey, we war- we taught we told this person this is their first warning. They said they won't do it again." Isn't that a thing usually, right? Typically, yeah. Well,
1: I was never going to ask. I was going to ask you before. I mean, does Misoda have any bylaws that that uh, spell out? um you know how a board member can be removed what it takes to remove a board member you know that sort of thing
0: they do in several tracks are looking into it but by design they're very vague see bylaws a lot of times are there to kind of cover everybody's ass right that's kind of what they're for so they're written very vaguely and i know there's some upset promoters looking into it trying to figure out if a, because the promoters vote in the board, they nominate and vote in the board, they're trying to figure out, is there anything there that specifically says that the board can remove another member? And it's really vaguely written. It doesn't really make much sense. And, and some of these, this is the thing, promoters, right? I mean, if you feel strongly about this, the bylaws need to change, have them less vague, you know, get, get to have more control. The board should not have that kind of control, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I mean, to me, if if the promoters vote in the board members, the promoters should be the ones to remove the board members, not other board members, because you could get all clicky and, well, we don't like you, so we're just going to remove yeah. you.
0: That's 100% true. And I'm not saying that everybody on the board right now is part of a click, but there are certain aspects of the board and employees that are part of a click, right? So if the click gets too much power, the people that disagree with them, well, they're they're kind of a thorn in the side. Let's get rid of them. They're a thorn in the side. Let's get rid of them. And you know how it is. You voice your opinion. You, you kind of call people out a little bit in a meeting and that they ain't doing nothing. And guess what? You have a target on your back. And then when any little thing happens, that click is going to be like, oh, he gone. We're going to get rid of I that mean, one.
1: I mean, as dysfunctional as the U.S. government is, could you imagine if representatives could just vote to oust other representatives? I mean, that would be chaos.
0: One hundred percent. The whole deal makes no sense. And 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 we bring this up because we're both passionate about racing. Puka's got some stuff he's dealing with. He's passionate about racing. Jeff Crow's passionate about racing. We want things to get better. We criticize things. We call things out. Why? Because things need to change. We want this sport to be here in 50 years, Bert. We don't want to all of a sudden have with so to die. We want it to grow and get better. Guess what? The way that they run things as an organization, and maybe, maybe the bulk of that lies on just the way things are structured, right? Maybe. But with the way it's going right now, at best, and I'm talking at, at very best, they can hope to kind of maintain. They're never going to grow as an organization. Ain't going to happen. And if you ain't getting better, by default, you're getting worse. And that's exactly what was has been for the last number of years. And I'd like to see things change for the better, but who knows? I just don't see it happening anytime soon. So, Bert, let's jump into some positive stuff here, some fun stuff here from this past weekend. Our top five moments of the week. Brought to you by Daytona One Performance Lubricants. So as we talked about, Bert Buck, the founder, the owner, right, of Daytona One Performance Lubricants, guess what? Hall of Fame member of NASA, right? NASA is kind of a big deal, right? But heres he's in there for his lubricants. The guy's way smarter than me. Got a lot of different products. Check it out online. Daytona One Performance Lubricants. Also, they give back to racing. They have the Daytona One Performance lubricants Gen X late model series. They run at uh um I-94, Madison, and Watertown. They he has a ten thousand dollar point fund, so he puts money back into it. And his passion, Bert, is keeping money in the pockets of racers so they can continue to race, right? And one of his great products is tire treatment. People are like, oh man, tire treatment. Oh my god, it's voodoo. Can't 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 talk about tire treatment. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. We also can't talk about $150 tires that we have right now for a modified or $202 tires that UMP has. That's not a thing. That's ridiculous. That That is not a sustainable deal. What is running your tires for a longer period of time at a higher level? They have products that will help you do exactly that. I know people using this product. They're running up front, they're winning races, and they're running old tires, Bert doing so. They're putting on new tires every night, and they're still having success. So, if a person wants to get information from somebody way smarter than this guy, call Chad 507-828-3536. Again, 507-828-3536. He'll get you all the information you need on how to properly prepare your tires, so that you can run them longer and compete at a high level and keep money in your pockets instead of in the pockets of Hoosier Racing Tire. So, number five, Bert, let's head over to eastern Wisconsin. Probably this could have been maybe a little higher, to be honest with you. I probably just slid this in there, but it should have been a little higher. What do you got, number five?
1: Um. Well, uh, uh, the Dirt Kings uh, Tour, they had their biggest race of, of the season on the eastern side of the state they have some higher paying races on the western side of the state but uh it was uh fourth might have been a little over four thousand to win um at 141 speedway and uh nick avalink uh once again won a dirt king's race surprise surprise um he had the i mean he started seventh so it's not like he started on the pole um he hustled, let's just say he hustled to the front, and it's a good thing he did, because after lap 10, you could have cued that Johnny Cash Cash song, uh, I hear the train a coming, because the train was there, and uh, there was no stopping it, unfortunately.
0: <laughs> no, and he did his job. He got up there quick, fast, and in a hurry from the row roll, roll four, Diamond 45. I think it was 4,500 to win that one, so pretty solid payday for him. And uh, another guy I want to give a shout-out to in that race is the old X-Factor, Jesse Glens, with a runner-up finish. That's got to be his best run in a couple years here. Kind of been not racing as much, struggling, you know, trying to get that SSR working. And uh, great to see Jesse Glens with a podium finish as well.
1: I mean, actually, uh, Jaden Schmidt, who is a rookie uh, in the division this year, he probably... If you would have had more experience behind him, he probably would have won that race because he pulled out to a a decent lead. Um, but then the track rubber down, all the cars were on the low side, you know, right down at the bottom, and uh he caught the the slower cars and you know, inexperience, you think, okay, I got to get by these cars and he he went to the outside to try to pass one of the slower cars. And I mean, he slid right up to the wall and um, Nick ducked underneath him at that point that uh, Jaden was able to get back down. Uh, I mean, that's how far ahead he was of the other cars. He was able to get back down and maintain second. And then probably with uh, 10 laps to go, um, coming out of four, he tried to go on the outside of Nick. And, uh, once again, the car just slid right up to the top of the track and he lost two spots. Uh, I give him credit for trying, but you know, if he would have had more experience, he would have just stayed where he, I mean, actually while he was leading and I saw the track locking down, I was thinking to myself, you know, if I had a radio, I would tell him do not get out of line. Just, I don't care. Make, you know, make the cars pass you on the outside. You know, if they're going to pass you on the outside, just, you know tip your cap to him and say, good job. But, uh, I mean, they interviewed Nick after the race and he even said, you know, um, as the race went on, he would actually slow down going into the corners because he wanted to leave some space between him and the the slower cars in front of him. And that's exactly what Jonathan Davenport said after the world 100.
0: There's a reason Nick Anvilink wins a lot of races. He's very talented, but he's very cerebral as well. So congrats to him. And Jaden Schmidt, I have a feeling he's going to get some wins. Yeah, that was one of your bold predictions that he's going to get a win. And he looked really good. I think that's going to happen probably Mm -hmm. sooner rather than later. At number four, the one TPO, Tyler Peterson Burt. He started out the season kind of in a slump in the mod. We're like, man, he's just not, not really rolling. Bert, in his last 11 times between the mod and late model combined, in his last 11 races, he has eight wins. The other three, second, third, and the other one he came from row four, was battling for the lead, got together with Dustin Strang, got put to the back on a pretty questionable call. And I tell you what, he's absolutely rolling right now. So looking at this, bird, he has seven late model wins, seven was sort of late model wins as a rookie and four in the, in the modified division right now. So he's been, so six late model wins, two mod wins in his last 11 races and a little bit of a rivalry of brewing. We like rivalries on the one to go show. (laughs) So uh, Mason put in the video here. So if you're watching, you can see it a couple weeks back, river city speedway, Dustin Strand leading the race. TPO coming. Strand goes to the wall. They get side by side, and they both tried going to the same patch of real estate, and they called it on TPO. I don't know that I agree with the call. I like them both. Um, kind of, a, I think it was kind of a bad call myself, but I do like them both. Let's just say he was not happy. Right? Not happy. At Ada, This on uh, Norman County Raceway, Ada Nationals here on Thursday night, he may or may not have used up the old 71 when he took the lead, and he may or may not have had some comments. So listen to them here. We're going to actually put the the post-race interview in here. Karma's a real son of a gun. He gave it to me last week in Grand Forst on uh, fashion for the lead, so I gave it right back to him tonight. Now uh, That's right, baby. That's a win for us, though. He basically said, well, after last week, I kind of owed him one this week, and we gave him one. We got the win, so I'll tell you what. He's fiery, and i was kind of thinking there was going to be a rivalry between him and maybe johnny broking and the mods but it looks like his focus is shifting to late models so maybe it's with Dustin strand but rivalries are good for dirt track racing and there were two very good race car drivers right there number three bert north of the border thunder bay ontario canada the thunder city speedway they're supposed to have a. Uh, um, a triple header this past weekend, Mother Nature, of course, took two of those nights, but one of my favorite drivers growing up as a kid, Joel Kreiderman, he hit pay dirt, parked, the vict- parked in Victory Lane in the Wasota Modified Division. Um, I asked him, I said, when's the last time he won? He's like, I don't even know, like 12, 13 years ago? Because he, you know, he retired. Took a whole bunch of time off, and he just recently, when they opened back up in Thunder Bay, got behind the wheel of a car again. But uh, I tell you what, that was one of my favorite wins of the year, by far, was seeing Joel Kreiderman find his way back into victory lane. Started on the front row, but I don't give a crap if he is the only car on the track, Bert. Joel Kreiderman won a feature in 2023 and really hasn't raced. I mean, last year he did, but other than that, he hasn't raced for over a decade, so... Tip of the cap, congratulations, Joel Kreiderman. Hopefully we can see him uh, up front a whole lot more. I'd, Bert, I would love to see him come down to the States, right, to some of these specials, you know, may, maybe the border battle this weekend, maybe a Labor Day Shootout, maybe the legendary 100 at Cedar Lake because he really likes Cedar Lake. Um, I'd love to see Kreiderman come down and so would a lot of fans down in our neck of the woods. Number two, let's head over to the Houston's High Bank Nationals, Bert big payday for somebody what happened in uh, Brandon South Dakota
1: uh well i'm going to say uh uh david, david gravel had a little bit of luck on his side and he was able to claim the 250,000 to win show on saturday night at uh Houston's high bank nationals uh cuz uh Coy Foy, Coy Foy was uh uh he was on his way to win that race. I, I don't think anybody was going to beat him, but with like 10, 10 laps to go, that motor grenaded. And, and that was the end of, end of his night. And, uh, unfortunately, uh, didn't get any better for his teammate on, the, on one of the restarts because, uh, uh, McFadden, right. Yep. Um, yep. Wrote, flipped on one of the restarts and was out of the race. So both cars that they were running well with like 10 laps to go, and then they were, both out of the race
0: i mean imagine being the car owner and you're looking there's 11 laps to go and and by all means i mean 11 laps to go is an eternity in sprint car racing but he looked like he was pretty well under control but imagine thinking oh man two hundred fifty thousand dollar payday right and like you just got that emotion right and you're like you just kind of that energy is there and all of a sudden you blow up and then next thing you know a car's destroyed you're going I mean, it's like from the highest to highs to the lowest to lows, like that. But David Gravel said, man, it's kind of nice to cash in on some of the car owner's money because, of course, his car owner, Todd Queering, owns Houston's and Jackson Motorplex. So, kind of easy to put that show on, Bert, a couple of years in a row when $250,000 payday goes kind of to yourself, <laughs> right? You know, so yeah, $50,000 per second. But congratulations, David Gravel, on getting that one done. And then we're going to head over to Menominee, Wisconsin, Red Cedar Speedway. Jim Carlson, a a driver that's been racing, you know, over two decades. I mean, I don't know exactly how many years, Bert, um, but he runs at Cedar Lake. He runs over at Menominee, Wisconsin. Bert' first career was soda a late model feature win. That is super cool. That's That's an example of a guy that's just passionate about racing. He loves it. Doesn't have the biggest budget in the world, right? He goes out there, he competes, he tries hard every week. But our number one moment for the one-to-go show this week, Jim Carlson, first career late model feature win at the Red Cedar Speedway. Congratulations, man. It'd be great if he can win a few more. So yeah,
1: that's that's a huge accomplishment to win your first feature after that many years. And uh, you know, you know, we've talked about this a lot on the show where you know tracks need and rely on drivers like that to show up week after week and you know they don't they don't get the feature wins but the, you can count on them to be there every week so it's good to see him uh, finally put it in victory lane
0: absolutely 100 percent um so in other news other news around the region before we do that a little shout out impact health sharing so if you pay for your own health care right whether you are self employed, or if you're an employer, employee, and your employer doesn't provide health insurance, or if you have a big business and you have multiple employees, whatever it may be, right? If you're a farmer and you're looking for coverage, check out Impact Health Sharing. Give me a call, 218 969 1380. We've been able to save people thousands of dollars annually. You can go to literally any doctor. I mean, you're looking for a family, right, husband, wife, couple kids or whatever, you're looking on average right around $600 a month, $2,500 uh, family deductible. So it's, you know, and I can get you a quote. So I can get a person pricing. But uh, give me a call, see if we can help you out. So, Bert, you talked a little bit about uh, 141. We talked about the Diamond 45. Um couple other races?
1: Well, I have a few more comments about that. Well, it kind of ties in with uh, Shano also because, as you know, <laughs> The Dirt Kings race was scheduled against uh, Channel Speedway's weekly night. And most of the drivers who race, uh, the majority of the drivers who race the Dirt Kings series would say, you would say their home track is Channel Speedway. So, you know, to me, if you're going to schedule against a track that races that division on a weekly basis and most of your drivers come from that track. You should have a plan to make sure that the feature is a good feature.
0: <laughs> and
1: and um if I was them, I would have ran because they ran the late model feature, the second to the last feature, only the four cylinders ran after the late models. So they had 130 total cars between all the divisions. So they ran all the other features before the late models, and I would have ran. The late models, um, the late model feature earlier, and I mean, one forty-one. They never, you know, farm the track. I've never seen them farm the track when I've been there. You know, one, once the races start, there's no farming. They just water. That's how they they uh, try to create a racing a racy surface. So, you know, I think they should have had a plan to farm the track at least a little bit or something, um, just to make sure it. It was a really good feature. I mean, I was looking forward to watching the feature there because one of the best late model features I ever saw was at 141 Speedway three years ago. It was one of the best features I ever saw. But the thing with that feature was they got a lot of rain in the days leading up to it. And I think even the day of the event, they got rain earlier in the day. So the track was tacky. So for late model racing to be good at 141 Speedway, I think you need a
0: really tacky track,
1: and so something to think about in the future.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. And one thing they're known for having a smooth racing surface, yes. and, and with modifieds and stock cars and all that, they can, you know, if it's dry and smooth, they can move around a yeah. lot better. I mean, a late models can't move around very good. They I mean, actually,
1: have you know, the the sport. Mo- well, they gave the Modifieds the week off because the late models were there, but they had Sport Mods and Grand Nationals and IMC Stock Cars. I mean, the Stock Cars and uh, Sport Mod features, I mean, they were great. They were racing three, four wide. And, great. you know, so, I, you know, I have no complaints about those features, but, I mean, you got it. I mean, the late models were the headline show. I mean, it was a Dirt King show. Uh, they charged $20 to get in, and so... You know, people want to see a good late model feature because that's what they're there for.
0: And I think that's a good note for promoters, right? I mean, whether it's a Challenge Series, Dirt Kings, Tri-State, whatever, late models require a little bit of brown. They got to have a little bit of moisture. Otherwise, they find that dominant lane and it's over, right? So um, maybe moving the late models up further in the show. I remember years back, I ran a modified over at Grand Rapids Speedway. And they put the late models ahead of the modifieds. Well, the late models could get, you know, they would kind of get strung out a little bit, not real racy. Then the modifieds would come out race all over the racetrack. Well, it's just the tires the, then right. that allows that to happen. And so, I mean, uh, the, late
1: mo- the late model heat races—they were they were fun and exciting to watch, you know. Um, so the late models can put on a good show there. You just have to. Uh, take some steps and make some plans to make sure that you have a racy track during the feature. And I also do want to, see, we mentioned Jesse Glenn's earlier, uh, Chad Mater was also there. So I'm, I'm glad to see those, those two Western cars uh, make the trip over to Eastern Wisconsin uh, to, to race in the Dirt Kings race.
0: Absolutely. You know, there was two Dirk Kings races or well, there was supposed to be. <laughs> uh...
1: Yeah, there's supposed to be two Dirk Kings races. They're supposed to race at Gravity Park um on Friday night and I mean it's funny because uh you know I, I was gonna watch the stream so you know seven o'clock you know I go on and it's like this is this program's not available yet and it's like what's going on and then then I was checking Facebook and uh on the Dirt Dirt King's Facebook page it said uh the Dirt King's uh show at Gravity Park is canceled due to track conditions and that's all it said it's like It hasn't rained here in like two weeks. I mean, (laughs) what, what are the bad track conditions? And well, somebody sent me a photo and before any of the cars hit the track, the track, well, I could only see turns three and four, but the track from the middle of the corner down to the bottom was just slop and, and really wet. And then from the middle of the track to the fence, to the top was bone dry. (laughs) and where it was slop and everything i you know it was rough i guess uh this is just what i heard from somebody that i talked to who was there um that uh the late models did go out to hot lap and after the hot laps uh the drivers did not um did not like the track conditions and um not all of them
0: though Bert. Not well, all, not all. Some, of them. Well, some they of may race. not
1: have liked them, but yes, some some drivers did stay, and we'll get into that. But apparently, um, uh, I don't know if it was a vote amongst drivers or if Dirt Kings just said we're not racing here. But anyway, they decided they weren't going to race, and from my source, um, the track was not happy uh, with that decision because people were there to see the Dirt Kings race. And uh, they made they made an announcement, I guess, and it was kind of snarky the way they announced it that the Dirt King Dirt Kings feel like they like uh, they don't want to race at our facility or something to that effect. So I think there is some animosity uh, between the track and uh, Dirt Kings, and um, but the the track did. Um, you know, because they had fans there to watch late models. They told the late model drivers, whoever wants to stay, we'll pay a thousand dollars to win. And, uh, 10, 10 late model drivers did stay. They raced, uh, two heat races and a feature, uh, just Justin Schmidt won the feature and, um, his wife posted on Facebook the next day that, uh, um, uh, uh, quote from her husband stating it's dirt and i can't race, so that's why he raced
0: and <laughs> hey, that's a tip of the cap right there to that guy i gotta be honest bird i saw some video footage of this of some streaming stuff that one of the one of the wives or whatever she did film the races and i don't i don't think her husband did race and uh but she was filming it and and i don't think the track was bad it was a little choppy on the bottom well, Tour. The but heat races. The they raced bird it was it wasn't
1: horrible it, in the heat races it was definitely choppy but yeah i would agree um uh, i mean i've never raced so i don't know how, how how rough a track has to be to be considered really bad uh but yeah in the feature it didn't look to be too bad the problem with gravity park is it's such a small and narrow track to begin with. It's right. It's not easy for late models to race on it, even when it is in perfect condition. And that might've been, um, some of the went into some of the thinking of the late model guys. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I was pretty disappointed by that decision. I mean, the, they, they came in the grand Rapids, the, uh, the challenge series did last year. And they're like, Oh man, the tracks wet. It's like, it's freaking noon. Right. And they're like, Oh, we got to cancel. And it's like it's freaking sand, it's rapids, it has to be wet at noon. What the hell are you talking about? Uh-huh. And the same thing happened here. I'm not saying the track was perfect, right? It was it was actually dusty most of the way around the track, kind of kind of dry, but the bottom of three and four has had chop, but it wasn't it wasn't the kind of chop where cars were just bouncing off the ground, they were kind of wavering over a little bit and getting through it just fine. You know, uh-huh. I've seen cars when it's super heavy and, and rough burt. When they come in a little sideways, they hook and the car snap to the right. There was none of that. So, I don't know. If I was Gravity Park, I'd be a little bit pissed off myself. I don't think this is on necessarily the Dirt Kings themselves, because he probably did. I don't know this for sure. I'm sure he did talk to at least a few drivers. and Oh, yeah. Probably yeah. Decided, you know what I mean? So It was probably a joint effort, but unfortunate deal there. Uh, hard to say if they'll ever invite him back. You know? It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, hey, We'll, we'll just go ahead and have a special. We don't need you. We'll just we'll just invite other late models here. So it's kind of one of those deals. Well, so
1: and, and before we move on, I just gotta say, you know, because uh Channel Speedway does race late models weekly, uh they did race late models last week and uh they did have 10 late models. So I my my uh bold prediction from last week was wrong. Uh because way I wrong. said I said yeah I said 5 or less. <laughs> uh but they they did have 10 late models and um and they did not cut the purse. They paid the the normal purse. It was a point, points night for late model drivers at Channel Speedway. Then they didn't drop points for the night and um so it was a um well Todd Frank won the feature but it was a good opportunity for some drivers who maybe don't finish up in the top five top 10 and you know get the higher payout in those positions to get a higher payout last week
0: yeah Todd Frank getting there done in the old 21 ride there so Bert over in the uh, over in our neck of the woods with soda country not a lot of racing mother nature kind of uh took her toll but just a couple things couple of observations I have so Dexton Cook getting a lot of grief he didn't follow the series he didn't do that well, like it or not, he's going to be the first super stock driver to 30 wins in 2023. He's chasing a national championship bird. I would not be surprised if he wins three or four features again this weekend. Keep an eye on that 78K. Scott Ward, a guy that has been awful most of the year. I mean, awful, like literally terrible. Got the monkey off his back, parked it in Victory Lane, got his first win of the year over at the Fiesta City Speedway in Montevideo. Speaking of video, they had a 1,000 to win Midwest Mod special. Your reigning Wasota Midwest Mod national champion, Jake Smith, who's kind of doing a little double duty. He hit pay dirt, uh, one of a, 1,000 a to win Midwest Mod special. Congrats to him. Um, probably the finish of the week, and thanks to my buddy Dan for sending over the clip here. Speedstock finish over at the Red Cedar Speedway. Andrew Hansen had the lead, he did win. But a couple little baubles there. Hunter Van Gilder was nose-to-nose nose at the line, photo finish at the Red Cedar Speedway in Menominee. Thunder Bay, they had a triple header. Birthday got in night number one, right? And then Johnny Broking and Bob, they're like, you know what? Let's go up there. They're like, we're let. they made the decision. They got up there five in the morning on Friday just to be able to look at the facility, hang out. There were still people drinking beer at 5 a.m. at the racetrack. <laughs> so they're like, we hung out, right? And then they basically turned around and went back home because they washed out the weekend. But he said, man, I tell you what, beautiful facility. I mean, it's brand new, right? So they did a great job with it. He said, it's flat, right? If you like if you like a racetrack that doesn't have a lot of banking, that is the place to be. But there was definitely some passing up there. Um, for example, Midwest Modified feature. Birthday had 52 Midwest mods. 52, right? Jamie Davis, 20th to second. There's some pass, right? And uh, Chernosky won that one. In the Super Stocks, Rick Simpson came from road three, drove by Chernosky to steal his second of the year up there. But he said, uh, he goes, man, I, I want to get back up to a race. He goes, it was a lot of fun just for the few hours I was there. Um, really, you could you could just tell the vibe there. So I, I want to get up to Thunder Bay myself. Out in the electric city speedway, uh Great Falls, Montana, a late model action. They had it was a Wesoda late model race. Michael Leach. So the Leach family, Bert, owns Lowenbro. So you heard Longhorn by Lowenbro. That that's the, the Lowenbro family. They're from Montana. That's his family that owns that. So needless to say, he got himself a longhorn late model, right? <laughs> First night ever in the late model, Bert. Won the feature. That's pretty cool. Right. I mean, he looked pretty darn good down at Speed Weeks. He had some pretty good, uh, pretty good runs in the modifieds. You know, he won a lot of Midwest mod races last year. Kid's a good driver. Um, I've seen that done once before. One of my good buddies, Clint Larson, he made the jump up into the late model back. uh, I think it must've been 2003. I think it was his very first night ever in a late model. He won the feature. So it's been done before, but congratulations to Michael Leach on that. Um, Little bit of drama over there in Wishick. Um, I know Jaden Crest who's been super fast in the streeter, him and Hunter Damagala not playing real nice. Damagala came out on top. A few words were said after that one, but uh Damagala getting the win. Then in some series stuff, NLRA racing Bert. Uh they were supposed to have four NLRA late models. This is Wesoda Sanction, but it's an NLRA Northern Late Model Racing Association. So they raced up at uh, the Norman County Raceway in Ada, the River City Speedway in Grand Forks, Tyler Peterson winning both of those features, Fergus Falls, I-94 Speedway, Brad Sang got it done, the points right now, Dustin Strand leading the points, Brad Sang second, and Mike Gresseth in third. Rebel Midwest Mod Tour, Bert, that, I, I think Mother Nature hates them, because I've never seen a series, maybe Lucas Oil late models. It rains all the time. They got one of four and had to reschedule the bulk of them. Jaren Wibstad with the win up at Ada. And then, of course, the structural buildings with Soda late Model Challenge Series. Both of them got canceled this weekend due to rain. And it sounds like they rescheduled those for later in the year as well. So um, with that said, Bert, we have a little feedback. We had some fans send us some stuff over. And uh, before we do that, little shout-out by racehirts.com. If you need hats, shirts, hoodies, apparel of any kind, who do you go to? Well, you go to one of the experts. Who's that? That would be Jordan Tollickson and his crew down in Montevideo, Minnesota. Four racers, by racers. Check them out online, byracers.com. So, I don't know if I, did I send you this one, Bert? I don't know if I send you this. Let me uh, let me pull this up. Are you, my bad. Bear with yeah. me one second here. I I, I didn't think I did. I I was was supposed to send you something to print off and uh, old Ryan dropped the ball. Donkey award to Ryan here. Okay. So, Bert, I'm going to go ahead and read this. If I can find it here now.
1: I think I did get the email, though. Also, I could try to find it and print it if you want me to. Did you get
0: it? Did you? You get the one from so. Wilmer. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, go ahead and print that okay. off. Okay. Okay. Go ahead and go ahead and print that off. That'd be better. That'd be better. <coughs> so while Bert's up printing there, so Bert, are you uh, are you close by? Can you hear me still? Yes, I can hear you. All right, all right. So we got one here from Tim. So Tim asked. He goes. Tyler Peterson is on a roll. Do you like his chances better to win the Wasota Modified National Championship or the Wasota Late Model National Championship in 2023? Now, here's a couple of things. He he had he won the last two Wasota Modified National titles. Right now, we're through the end of June. He only has four wins in the Wasota Modified. Now, with that said. I think the winningest driver maybe has six. So he's right in the hunt. In the late model, they only take your top 20 shows. He has seven wins, multiple podiums already. And I tell you what, he looks like the best car in his area in the late model. So, Bert, based on that, modified, late model, or both for Tyler Peterson in 2023? Um, I would say if he's going to
1: race enough in a late model, I would say late model.
0: I got to be honest with you. That might, he might slow down a little bit to modify it, not literally on the racetrack, but I'm thinking right now that the late model, I mean, he's already dang near halfway there. I mean, it's a race to 20. I really feel like Chad Becker probably will hit 20 wins. I'm not, I mean, we'll see if Skorcheski, Arment, maybe Scott Ward, a couple of them guys can keep him out of victory lane. But man, on Tyler Peterson, I mean, I mean, he's got seven already. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for him to go to 20 um as much as he can race that thing. So I, I think I probably agree with you, Bert. I think uh if I had to lean a direction right now, I'd go late model. So did you get that uh one from Bloomer? Uh yes. Do you want me to read it word for word? It's a little sporty. All right, it's a little racy. <laughs> um so understand first of all, we're gonna preface that we will comment on it. Um, but understand this was an email sent to us. This wasn't Ryan and Bert writing this down. This was an email sent to us by a fan. Okay. So the views,
1: the views, and the opinions are not those of Ryan and Bert. <laughs> they might be, they might well, be yeah. um, <laughs> okay. I, all well, right, we'll see. Um, sounds like Don at Cry 94. Got his feelings hurt that Dennis had more cars running B mains every night of the tour than he had running the whole show for his big King of the Dirt weekend. Dennis goes and outworks everyone else on the board. Independently, brings in like forty-five thousand dollars for his series and gives it to gives it all to the drivers. No draw fee, no upcharge at the pick gate, no series registration fee. The list go, excuse me, the list goes on. Just take a look at the Wasota 100 handout if they ever put one out. The only thing Shaw brought to the Superstock series this year was a 9% in, <clears throat> increase in the cost of tires. Look at the reaction from drivers, not just the Superstock guys. We want people on the board who work for the drivers, not people who find new ways to nickel and dime us to death. Obviously, the other of board members ride the uh, cigar-shaped spaceships.
0: <laughs> Bloomer. <laughs> signed, signed, Bloomer. Now, I'm pretty sure that's not Bloomer. Um, <laughs> but I got, so I, on the Don Shaw stuff, you know, we don't need to beat a dead horse on that. I mean, I'm not saying, and I will never say that Don Shaw doesn't do anything for racing because he does. I mean, they got a pretty darn solid tail every week at the I-94 Speedway. It's a great facility, you know. I mean, they got they got way more good things there. He's hot headed, so am I. I'm not going to knock him on that. I will knock Wasoda though. I, I, the comment he says, "Look at all the nickel and dime stuff that they do at the Wasoda 100. If they ever put a flyer out, Bert, last year they wouldn't even put a flyer out with the purse. Okay, why? Why? Because they cut the purse, Bert." It's 20, that was 2022. The purse was basically the same for God knows how long. So they actually cut the purse, right? Multiple years in a row. They reduced the purse and raised the fees to drivers. So what did they raise the fees? <clears throat> so on the fees, they it's mandatory that you gotta pay for parking. I talked to my friend, Brad. Brad Parson. He went there, he wanted to go practice. He literally had to park so freaking far away from the racetrack that his wife said, "I ain't coming back." This is absolutely stupid. They had to park way on back and still had to pay to park for one night to to be able to practice. That's bullshit. I can absolutely see maybe charging like for premier spots if you want a spot close to the track or a paved pit area by all means. But if you're parking in the nosebleed section, that should be free. The fact that Wasoda charges drivers to park in the middle of nowhere they should be absolutely ashamed of themselves because here's how stupid they are and i'm going to use this word yes i said it the people in charge of making that decision are ignorant stupid idiots okay why because the wasota 100 is a fundraiser the proceeds from the Wasota 100 is the lion's share of what goes into the national points fund okay so why on earth do they have to nickel and dime the frickin' drivers if the money's going back to the drivers to begin with? Get your heads out of your asses and stop it. They do not need to charge for parking. They don't need to charge draw fees. It's ridiculous. That is, at, that that frosty, and, and it's bad enough when a promoter comes in and they have a couple one-off specials and they do all that stuff, but the Wissota Promoters Association to be, Raising the cost of drivers to get in when the money goes back to the drivers to begin with—that's just ludicrous. So this guy is absolutely spot on, and and he couldn't have said it better. Um, Dennis had an email out to all the tracks. We don't want, you know, we don't want to raise pit fees. There's no draw fee. There's not none of that. And uh, I tell you what, it was well supported. So um, Bloomer or whoever you are, <laughs> spot on, buddy. All right. So we're going to segue off of that, bird. <coughs> this one came from my friend Nick. And uh, Nick's been a longtime guy, and he has a spot up at the Superior Speedway, Don Law Speedway. And he goes, I'm sick of these FYE events. Sick of them, right? Not saying that there's certain aspects. of so 10,000 win for a modified is a pretty good deal. I'm excited to see that feature myself. But here's what people are sick of. So you take a track like, the Gondic Law Speedway, Superior, Wisconsin. Well, they have like a back straightaway section, Bert, where it's kind of like a tailgating section where you can rent that spot for the year and then you can park there all year long and it's your it's your spot all year long, right? Except for at the FYE events. So they have three of them, right? They have the, the Mod Nationals, the Border Battle, and then they got the can Clash at the end of the year. Well, those spots... Are not valid. So you have to not only you're paying for the whole year for your spot or pit parking spot or reserve grandstand spot, but when these shows come to town, right? You got to like repay for them all over again if you want them spots. That's horseshit. Okay. Now, whose fault is this? I don't know. A combination of people, right? Very easy, very easy to say. This prick, Chris Steppen, all his fault. Kinda is. Kind of big chunk of it's his fault you know but it's also the fault of the Law speedway have enough of a backbone there to look out for the people that support your racetrack every single week right if if you are if you're doing this for your fans and for your drivers you should be able to look at old chris Steppen and say look buddy here's the deal they paid for their spots these are their spots i don't care who's running the show tonight whether it's you, the world of outlaws XR, I don't care. This is their spots. They get their spots. They get them for the entirety of the year. I don't know. I, I gotta be honest with you. I mean, coming in with a b- big show like that, they already have a big fan base. They already have the best car count in the area. You ain't doing not much special. Right. So I don't know. I think that, I think that these right. tracks need to stand up for their fans and drivers a little bit better
1: Are you able to watch the races from these spots?
0: Yeah. Yep. Yep. And they rent them all year.
1: And this is a special event?
0: Kind of, but they have other special events. They're good for their other specials, right? So, I mean, mean, at at what point? At what point? So they keep raising the cost of these spots, right? They keep going up every year. But they're eligible to use them for less and less shows. How many freaking FYE shows do you need to have at a racetrack? I mean, pretty soon fans are going to be like, why the fuck should I pay for a stupid spot when I only get to use it half the year? Stupid. I understand what you're
1: saying, what you're saying, but just to be devil's advocate, um like at Channel Speedway, you can buy a season pass. So, you know, that'll get you into the races uh every week but like when the world of outlaws were coming there once a year i don't think that pass got you into the races for the world of outlaw show you had to pay for the world they, of outlaw show
0: yeah they still have to buy tickets each week oh okay yeah so okay. It, this their spot doesn't include their ticket it's just okay. their spot so they okay. they still have to come in every week and actually pay for a wristband every single event no matter what right that's no matter what What they're paying for is the right, like, I want to sit here and I want to sit here all year. That's what they're paying for.
1: Okay. So, yeah. Okay. So that's a little bit different then. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yep. A little bit different. So that's something to look at. And I I talked to, I talked to people involved with that racetrack, right. From a couple different aspects. And they're like, we don't think it's right either, but I don't know. That's, that's for Joe and for Chris to figure out. So I got another one here from a pissed off midwest mod driver <clears throat> okay so <laughs> i don't want to keep baiting on the uh, individual racetrack so in the event bert that weather's coming into the air right like you can look in the sky right and you're like getting cloudy Radar's showing rain's coming we got to get this show on the road right that's We've been there. We've been to many racetracks. That happens from time to time. He's like, why on earth would they still do the four-wide salute, still do victory lane interviews, still do a 30-minute intermission, right? They do all this stuff, and then three or four of their features rain out, right? Or one track had them fog out and whatever, right? And this happens. It's it's not just a couple tracks. This happens everywhere. Weather comes in. I like, I, I like the four white saloon. I like victory lane interviews. Right. But if I had to choose between let's get the freaking show in or doing this extracurricular stuff, cut this stuff out, let's get the freaking race in. Right. And, and again, this happened last weekend. There was, there was, you know, and this is, this guy here is a traveler. He's like, I don't know if I'll be able to make it back for the makeup feature or not. Well, Here's a solution to that because I like interviewing the winner. I do top three, maybe sometimes in the event of weather. And and if you have a long program, you could do this here too, because none of us want a five hour freaking race program. I mean, if your show's going long, you got to start cutting stuff out, right? We can't have five hour program. Why not go down into the pits after the races, Bert? right? Or have somebody that can go down there during the races, whatever. That's linked to their Facebook account go Facebook live and say, Hey, I'm, I'm here with, you know, I'm here with whoever I'm here with, you know, Bob Smith and he won the feature and, and uh, Bob talk, tell us about your sponsors. You can do that on live and not take away from the show mm-hmm. to keep the show going. So that's a solution to the problem. But yeah. but no, I, you I, know, Have you seen that? What's your thoughts on that, Bert?
1: I mean, I agree with you. I mean, um, a hundred percent about, you know, getting rid of all that other stuff if there's rain coming your way um I mean I agree with you that you know racing is in the entertainment field so you h- need to do things like four wide salutes and all that stuff for entertainment but if there's weather coming in you have to get the races in because that's your main entertainment uh, so you got to do what you have to do to get that in and I mean I know this wasn't Uh, in this situation but if if it's a special event you got to be willing to move the features around to make sure that your premiered whatever that special event is whatever the premier premier division is in that special event that you get that feature in for sure
0: yeah some of the stuff you think is common sense and i get it when things happen you like you overlook stuff or whatever but moving forward so if you're a promoter if you're watching this you know, when, when this stuff is coming in, you've got to just keep the show rolling. I mean, most tracks are pretty good at this, but I, I think he's spot on. And the last one we have there is from Don and he says, you know, there's a topic for you this week. A lot of racetracks, lots of them. They, they jumped the gun bird. They I, There was tracks that canceled 11, 12, one o'clock. They're like, Oh, the forecast looks like rain and not all of them got rain. Right. And it's like, so your, your thoughts I do have some thoughts on that
1: well the national series they started doing that during the COVID year it seemed like that's when it kind of first started that well I mean there were some chances there were some races that were canceled like three days ahead of time because the forecast was bad you know for three days from now well a lot of times the weather people, they can't even predict what's going to happen three hours from now, let alone three days from now. So, uh, But yeah, I mean, that that does seem to be somewhat of a trend where tracks now are just, oh, it's a bad forecast. We're just going to cancel it. And maybe part of it is because of the high gas prices and, you know, they don't want to hear people complaining if they drive all the way there and then then it gets rained out.
0: The Lucas and World, the Lucas Oil Series and World of All the Late Models, they have like travel money. So I know that a couple of them have a deal where if they sell any tickets, like on on race day, the track has to pay out um, the the travel money to the drivers. So they cancel early because they're like, yeah, we ain't, we're not paying that. It looks like it's going to rain. I I can kind of see it. Right when I was racing, Bert, fuel prices were a lot less and. I was still broke, but fuel prices were less and I used to get pissed. I'm like, what do you mean you're canceling? It's going to be nice. Like, what are you talking about? But two sides of that, right. Is, I mean, that, that's the, that's the freaking gambling addict going who cares? I'm ready to run. Let's roll the dice. Right. Not my money. Wow. On, well, and I mean,
1: this was what, at the end of, end of May, uh, when Dirt Kings was supposed to be at Mississippi thunder right. and, uh, they got rained out as they were going to go qualify. And I mean, a good chunk of those drivers come from Eastern Wisconsin. I don't even, I mean, that's a four hour drive or whatnot. Right. And um, I mean, I'm not blaming MTS for not canceling. Don't get me wrong, but I'm, I just giving an example of, you know, that was a situation where, you know, they did drive all that way and it didn't, you know, the rain did come.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think nowadays, a if you if it does rain and all the drivers are there you literally just spent all their money that that like they they're trying to they're trying to alleviate that if they do get part of the show in now they spent their own money right they, so they're paying their employees and all that and even if they do get them in if the weather looks absolutely terrible you get a little sprinkle rain the crowds are less you're probably yeah. going to not have a very financially good night so I mean, I want to see racing as much as anybody, but I can understand, I guess, why why they do that. I mean, it's it's just smart business. So, Bert, our pickums here from last week. Well,
1: I I actually have a fan question from Bert, the fan.
0: Wow, <laughs> right. let's have her. What do we got? Um,
1: how many cautions do you think a car should be able to be responsible for before they're um
0: um? told to exit the race well typically there's a two-spin rule right usually you, first one you go to the back second one you go to the pits um but i'm thinking there's a story here what do you got well
1: well actually there's two instances you know i was
0: watching uh, lucas uh
1: features um saturday afternoon i was watching friday's features uh saturday afternoon and this one car Seemed like every time there was a caution, it was because of this one car. And then they made the comment, um "Well, he's going to have to retire from this race because of the three spin rule." Well, I didn't know Lucas had a three spin rule. Hmm. <laughs> I I
0: did not know that either. So um, and,
1: so then I go to the races at one forty one on Saturday night, and it was uh one of the stock car race, one of the IMCA stock car races, and it seemed like every caution was caused by this one driver he brought up four i believe four cautions he brought out and i even said to my friend he would have been out of here if lucas was running this show right <laughs> um but yeah so i i just thought that was kind of funny
0: <laughs> too i i like too bert and 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 you know what grinds my gears is is you see like you see it with Lucas, you see it with World of Outlaws, and I get it, right? It's I get they're trying to protect the drivers. But when when people are like, you know, something's wrong with the car, and they literally pull over and stop, and they bring out a yellow and they go and they come in back out of the track, and three laps later they stop again. It's like if you're intentionally stopping the race like that, I mean if you have a flat tire, it's one thing, but I don't know. I mean, we're we're trying to figure out how to have a three-hour window here. Um, letting people like cause four cautions is not the answer to that. Mm-hmm. just I agree. So, I agree. I <laughs> agree. So speaking of uh of uh, Lucas Oil, our pick last week. We picked Lernerville. Um, the Firecracker One Hundred, of course. RTJ, uh, kind of had a little bit of a rebound there because he struggled. Kind of self-inflicted night number one. Anything stick out to you from Lernerville? this past weekend other than rtj bounce back
1: uh other than his bounce back um well rtj versus superman and the heat race on saturday i don't know if you saw that um but uh superman wasn't real happy with the slider that uh rtj uh put on him uh rtj when they interviewed him he said he didn't mean to so i'm sure they they probably talked afterwards and he probably <laughs> apologized to Superman. Um, he didn't
0: mean to. Okay. Okay. Guys.
1: Okay. <laughs> um, Earl Pearson jr. Uh, was not a happy camper um, in one of the features. Cause uh, uh, well, they have this huge bank on the inside of, I think it was three and four and somehow he got over the top of that bank and landed on top of a, on top of a culvert a manhole cover and (laughs) actually tore the manhole cover off of it and and uh so when they moved the car you could actually look into the drainage uh system and they told the announcers told ben shelton to go down there and ben shelton had a funny line because i'm not he said something about I don't know the name of the clown knowing it, but he, he mentioned the name of the clown. He, the, that clown might be down there.
0: So. <laughs> uh, but nice. yeah,
1: uh Earl Pearson jr. Was not happy. Uh, he was out of the car helmet off. Uh, cars came around again. He flipped off the driver that he felt was responsible. And then uh, they actually interviewed him while Earl was standing on the side of the track. And, uh, he expressed his displeasure, and he said, "I'll be talking to
0: him real soon." So, <laughs> I'm sure he did. I'm sure he did. So, at the end of the day, RTJ, victorious boy, he's won some big ones this year. Absolutely killing him. He's got like a 200 plus point lead in the Lucas Oil Dirt Late Model Series right now. Um, stretching it out. But remember, right? It has it, it, He could be ahead yeah. by a thousand points. Doesn't matter, right? Because the top four go into the dirt track world championship and uh that we're gonna talk let's just say i, I got I, a little something for you we're gonna talk about that in just a little bit
1: <laughs> so no we'll, we'll, we'll
0: come back to that no I promise. challenge series we, we're gonna pick the late model challenge series for Wasota both of them rained out world of Oatlaw late models they were at 81 speedway and at off-road dennis erb jr 30 30 000 payday bobby pierce won at off-road Pretty good race. Uh Herb was Herb was strong. He kind of struggled early in the year, but ever since that Illinois Speed Weeks time, he's kind of rejuvenated himself and he's kind of found some speed over the last uh few weeks here. What stuck out to you in the world of outlaw Late models, if anything?
1: Uh just I mean Ricky Pierce or uh Bobby Ricky Pierce. Bobby Pierce is <laughs> Ricky Bobby, Bobby Pierce. Uh Bobby <laughs> Pierce is, continues to have a strong uh season in the world of outlaw i mean at the beginning of the year i would have said he would have dropped off the tour by now but he ain't dropping off the tour anytime soon and he's going to follow this thing to the end and uh just uh you know where was chris madden i
0: mean he was there but <laughs> he wasn't there <laughs> it's kind of like the brad sweet effect right madden's still leading the points how right. miraculous is that you know but Pierce is only four points back. Nick Hoffman's only six points back, and there's a whole bunch of drivers within hundred. I mean, it, the World of Outlaw Late Model battle is that might go down to the very last race of the year. That one is really, really good. Um, but I'm I'm kind of keep an eye on that rookie. Nick Hoffman is he's going to make some noise now. World of Outlaw Sprint Car action. They had the Houston High Bank Nationals. Night number one, Kyle Larson. Night two went to J-Mac. Night three, Logan Shuhart. And then, of course, 250000 to David Gravel. Night number one, good buddy of mine, Kevin Engel, from down in here on, he ended up upside down, um, kind of a lower dollar team there. Just likes to run, kind of run some of the local big shows when they're in the area. But that one didn't work out very good, Bert. He tore up some stuff. Um, rough night for Roth Motorsports on the final night, even though, Shark racing and Roth Motorsports had a lot of speed. Gravel was the most consistent. And uh, Donnie Shots he didn't make the feature night one. And I think I think his best race was 11th, which was the final one. But I don't know. I mean, I think, I quite honestly, Bert, I think the only time Donnie Shots is fast now is when we put him on the not-hot list. <laughs> you know, we put him on the not-hot list, boom, he comes out, wins a couple. We're like, oh, he's back, right? And then he fades away. I don't know. Just something ain't missing. I mean, I'm just going to say it right now. Not hot. Donnie shots. Not hot. We'll see if that can rebound this weekend. But uh, they're bringing that show back next year. Crowd was amazing. Racing was good. They had a few a little weather, technical difficulties. But uh, overall, it was a pretty good show. Um, what stuck out to you at Houston's?
1: Um, The... In the driver interviews after the race on Saturday, and they talked to the top three or so, and every one of the drivers mentioned the crowd and how great the crowds were every night um, that they were there. So that that's good to see um, large crowds at events that pay a lot of money.
0: Yeah, we like we might like late models <laughs> better than the spin cars, but I tell you what, the the crowds prove that the world of outlaw spin cars have a huge following across the nation. So our standings right now, Bert, Curtis leading the way at 81. Bert climbing up from the cellar. Not quite the cellar, but you're close. Um, <laughs> 78. Mike's at 75, Jeff and Dan at 69, Kent at 67, Brad at 64, the old 71E at 62, literally just getting whooped. And uh Carl's at 55, Bert. If I get passed by Carl, I think it's time to just like, (laughs) I don't know, copy somebody else's picks or something. This week we're going to pick, we got four World of Outlaw late model shows. One of them going on right now, it's Tuesday. Um, That's at Mason City. Fargo um, races tomorrow night. And then Grand Forks on Friday. Fergus Falls on Saturday. Cedar Lake Speedway is hosting the World of Outlaw Sprints this weekend. Muskingum, which is Dresden, Ohio. 30 grand to win for the Lucas Oil cars. We're also picking the Wissota Modifieds at the Gondikla Speedway, 10,000 to win in the border battle. So, Bert, let's jump into the last lap brought to you by our friends at Dirt Track Supply. So, if you need any racing parts, you need an aero chassis, you need safety equipment, tires, where do you go? Go to somebody who supports racing. They do it at a high level. Give Ron and Trevor a call over in Watertown, South Dakota. They service a lot of racetracks. They help a lot of racers. They've, they've they've been doing this deal for a long time. Dirt track supply in Watertown. So this weekend, Bert, a uh, couple, couple big shows in, in the area. I want to give a little show. out. Superior's kind of got some pretty cool things happening. And I'm uh, not afraid to give them some donkey awards once in a while over there, Bert. So we should probably give them a little love. The Border Battle, 10000 to win. I said last week on the show that... I don't think there is a a 10,000-a-win modified chauffeur with Soda Racing. I was incorrect. Um, Donkey award to my dumbass on that one, by the way. So 10, that's one of my home tracks. I'm getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. I can't even remember. There's a (laughs) 10,000-a-win modified race there. So that's this weekend, Friday and Saturday. You can catch that on Dirt Race Central. Um, But they also, uh, Joe sent me over a deal. So they have some bonus bucks. They put together a pretty nifty point fund for an 8 race series Burt, for the late models at their own facility and uh, the first one rained out not sure if they rescheduled that but this weekend June 30th and 1st will be race 1 and 2 2500 to win each night for late models and then you can look at their website to kind of see when the rest of those races are they do have a 5000 to win show that's on uh, July 28th so that's a pretty good payday but in them in that series of races which is essentially eight races the high point driver at the end of them eight races Bert, $6000 um bonus so that's pretty cool 4000 for second 2012 11 and they pay back it's 250 for 15th place but we're talking eight races in a $6000 payday Bert, in to win the Wissota late model national championship okay um, now today it's your best 20 shows, which means you're gonna have to run at least 25, right? Minimum if you're on it, right? Probably 30, maybe more, to be in contention for 10 grand to win. Bert, this is eight shows for six thousand to win. That that's a pretty good deal. So hats off to um Joe Staria and and uh, all the folks at gone to Speedway for just putting that together for their drivers. Um
1: little bit, and you don't have to travel all as long if you're already from the area you don't have to travel all over the place because all the races are held at one spot i mean if you're not from the area then you have to travel to get there but
0: (laughs) right i mean and that's exactly right for the people that are in that core area and these are all good the minimum paid for the winner at any of these shows is 1500 that is one two three three four of those shows were 1500 to win and then one, the, then the Twin 25s has a pair of 2000 a win shows, two of them are 2500 and one 5000. So, all of those shows pay well, and then they have the great point fund on top of it. So, yeah, like you said, if you're an area driver, man, that's uh, you don't want to miss those ones, that's for sure. Right. So, NASCAR um, news. For,
1: oh, okay, go ahead.
0: You, you want to touch on that, or you want me
1: to? Um, yeah, I mean, uh. You know as you stated we're recording this on Tuesday and it was reported earlier today that uh, um, you know some bad news for Jimmy Johnson and uh, his well his in-laws it appears um, I mean that all the details aren't in but it's being they think that because both of his in-laws are deceased as long as, as well as one of his nephews and there, they authorities think it was a murder suicide, and um, uh, you know I I just can't even comprehend uh, what what the family is going through. So uh, you know thoughts and prayers uh, for him and his family, and you know a very very sad deal.
0: Yeah, I know my buddy Chase has been very you know he, he pitted for him right. He was one of the engineers, so he knows he knows of course Jimmy very well don't know if he knows the, the rest of everybody. He might, but uh yeah, just a tragic deal. And that just goes to show. It don't matter what level of financial mm-hmm. success or fame that you might have. Everybody has issues. So we like, we like to bang on people once in a while, right. When they do stupid things, but we also like to praise them when they do good things. So it's a combination of both, but you think about this and and people are, you just don't know what's happening in their lives. So you know me included you know i'll call myself Oh, sometimes we need to maybe be a little bit cautious on maybe how hard we bang on people when stuff like this happens because everybody's going through something and we don't know what that is most of the time so Mm -hmm. sad deal so our three bold predictions bert uh before
1: before we get to the bold predictions i just want to update from last week (coughs) um i uh well, I'm actually working on the July issue of Full Throttle Magazine, and my cover story is about Johnny Whitman winning the Clash at the Creek. And uh, so I had uh, I interviewed him this week. Uh, we talked about last year's uh, ordeal where his tires were found to be not up to specification, and we talked about this year's victory, obviously, and uh, he did say his tires did pass this year. So uh, you can put that uh, behind him. <laughs>
0: congratulations that was that it, it feels a lot better once you know for sure because mm-hmm. he's been through it once so mm-hmm. yeah so yeah thank you for that uh three bold predictions Mason Aaron's videos uh check them out online YouTube Facebook does a lot for this for the sport um thank you to him of course for you know he does all the editing for our show as well so couldn't do this show without him so want to thank him and uh check out his he's got a lot of great content a lot of b-roll stuff a lot of really fun stuff that he does. And one of the, one, just honestly, one of the most easy going guys that like everybody gets along with. Um, we, we share our opinions, probably me more than you sometimes on the show. He just sits and giggles and he's like, "I that's not my part. I'll just, I'll enjoy <laughs> what everybody does. And, uh, but he's just super good guy. And uh, I want to thank Mason. So off the board this week, Bert, uh, we had Jeff Krause on the show last week. We'll start with him. So he's, re- he was representing the listeners, right? He said Donnie Schatz was going to win uh, 250 grand at the Houston Thai Bank Nationals. He didn't even get a top 10, so that was wrong. He said Brandon Shepard was going to win a pair of features this weekend. Well, he won one qualifier, but that would be it. He didn't win. Uh, he did not win two. Bert, you had uh, some come off the board this weekend as well. You said David Gravel was going to win two of them down at Houston. Kind of a bad beat. He had a couple seconds and a first. It's kind of a bad beat, so that's a no. You said Bobby Pierce was going to win two. One. Close. Close. You said Shawna was going to have five or less cars. (laughs) That was bold. That was swinging for the fences. That was a no as well. I had a couple come off the board as well. I said Ryan Timms was going to have a pair of top fives. I don't know if he had any top fives. I don't think he did. Struggled. Uh, A while back, I said uh, Joel Friederman was going to win a feature this year. He did. So that's a yes. So, Bert, our standings right now is I have 25 correct, 41 incorrect, 37.9%. You have 30 correct, 42 incorrect, 41.7. I'm narrowing the gap just a little bit here, closing the gap. And the listeners are not on the board. They got a bunch that are still kind of like they were pushed out, but they they have five incorrect, zero correct. So the listeners are. Are are we
1: caught up with, with everything now? Because last
0: week um, we are. We are. Okay. All right. Yep. We are. Yeah. He sent, uh, he went through that. I should probably, Jeff uh, can maybe send that to both of us, but he has a separate spreadsheet now with all the stuff. Okay. Now, but as we were looking at that, Bert, we came across a little something here. (laughs) On episode 164, the old 71A here said that David Bravel was going to win the World of Outlaw Championship in 2023. About a month later on episode 168, Bert made the same prediction. We're going to have to kind of maybe go to our jury of peers to see if, A, if that's allowed. I don't think we can kind of, I don't think we can make a prediction that's already made. So in order to rectify the situation, kind of feel like you should probably add to that.
1: Okay, I'll say David Gravel will win the World of Outlaw Sprint Car Championship by less than 50 points.
0: By less than 50 points. Now, there you go. He added to it. Alright, so this week uh, we have a uh, guest listener, uh, Dan. He sent us three bold predictions as well. <clears throat> I have mine, you have yours. So what we do each week is we make, a, we make three predictions, sometimes bold, sometimes not so much, and we keep track of if we're right or if we're wrong. We've been doing that now the, I guess, the whole year. And Bert got off to a big lead, but I'm kind of starting to inch towards you a little bit. And uh, it's got the only rules really is it's got to be something that either a and for sure happened or b it didn't. It's got it's not an opinion based deal. It either did or didn't happen. So, Bert, I'm going to start with Dan. Then we'll go to you. Then we'll come back to me. Okay. So Dan's first pick is the smooth operator, Bobby Pierce, is going to finish on the podium at every World of Outlaw late model event this weekend, right? So there's four of them. If one of them rains out, it's all three. But all the late model events that happen through I-94, Bobby Pierce will finish on the podium, and he's going to leave the I-94 speedway with the World of Outlaw point lead.
1: So does he get double points in?
0: That's kind of a, that's kind of a, um, yeah, we might, we might give him a double double for that one. Cause that's, that's not, I mean, chances are, right. I mean, if you well, well, finish the
1: podium, that yeah. So, yeah. okay. All right. Uh, my first one is, <laughs> and you almost, you were, you almost said it earlier this in the show. Uh, well you kind of did actually, but, uh, Dirt Kings will not be back at Gravity Park Speedway in 2024.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, so that one's gonna roll over till next year when the schedule comes out. But boy, after this weekend, it'd be they're gonna have some butt kissing to do uh, to make that happen. So, so Gravity Park will not host a Dirt Kings late model race in 2024. Okay, so I'm gonna go with sort of late model action here. So, Pat Capella owns KME, and he threw a, right before the Challenge Series opener, he threw together a $20,000 point fund that included the Gondiclaw Speedway, Hibbing Raceway, and Halberline Speedway, and Proctor for the late months, accumulating points from all the shows throughout the end of the season, okay? $10,000 to win. Kevin Burdick will take $10,000 of Pat Capella's money, and he will literally upset the apple cart because the next three drivers in line are all kme cars so he's going to be not probably wanting to pay that but he will of course but kevin burdick's going to win that ten thousand dollars
1: okay um i am going to say david grabo will win at least one of the features at cedar light this weekend okay
0: Okay. i picked him so that's probably not going to (laughs) happen Um, I'm going to go Lucas Oil Dirt Late Model Series here, Bert. Right now, RTJ, Ricky Thornton Jr., has got over a 200-point lead. As we talked about, that means nothing. That just means he's one of four that make it into the Dirt Track World Championship, um, the final four. How it works is kind of like the NASCAR deal, where if you're in the final four going into that race, the highest finishing driver is a Lucas Oil Dirt Late Model Series champion. I already made a prediction saying that the point leader going in is not winning the points. So RTJ is going to have, he's going to be very vocal either by social media or an interview or both, proclaiming how ridiculous the chase format is in Lucas Oil Dirt Late models as far as the points go. And I'll put an end date on that of December 31st of 2023.
1: Uh well, RTJ uh, does get vocal on social media. Uh, now that he's racing for somebody else, I don't know if he's more politically correct than he was in the past. But I, I remember when he raced at the Clash at the Creek uh, at one forty one Speedway. He was leading in points after the heat races, and then they, uh, they informed the drivers they were redrawing the top 10 and he was not happy and he voiced his opinion on social media so he does
0: do that (laughs) he certainly does (laughs) all right so i think we're going back we go back to dan now right Mm -hmm. so i made. i made two picks you made Two. two dan made dan only made one so far okay so dan's second pick is there will be 40 or more with soda modifieds at the border battle this weekend at the Garnik Law Speedway
1: okay um well this this kind of contradicts my my second bold prediction but I'm going to say that the 71a gets shut out again in Pickums next
0: week <laughs> Wow. <laughs> You're kind of an asshole. All right. I had to do it. That's probably a pretty safe pick. It's <laughs> kind of a bunt. At this point, that's a bunt. That's not a home run. That's a bunt at this point. All right. I see how you are. All right. I'm going to go. Hmm. Well, I'm going to go back to Dan and I'll do my last. So Dan's third and final pick is Chris Smoky Madden who is currently leading the World of Outlaw late model points, he will finish the 2023 season no better than third. So he'll finish third or worse in the final point standings in the World of Outlaw late models. And right now he's leading, so that's pretty bold, I think. And if he's he's running like 18th right now, right, if you said Dennis Ervin Jr. is not going to finish in the top three, yep, probably. Okay, But Smokey Madden's leading. So, my third and final pick, I'll I'll go with World of All uh, Late Model on this as well. Right now, third place in points driver is rookie Nick Hoffman. At some point in the month of July, may only last one night, may last the rest of the year, but at some point in the month of July, the thrill from Mooresville will have and will Hold by himself the world of outlaw late model point lead. Not ready to call him the champion yet, but he's gonna have the point lead in July. He's been on fire, he's been running good. So, Bert, that's episode 183 in the books. Any, uh, anything else to touch on? Any weekend plans here for the fourth of July weekend? Uh, going racing? What do you got? What do you got? Um, (laughs) yeah,
1: I'm. I'm, uh, Dirk Kings will be at Autogame Speedway on Friday night. So I'm planning on going to the Dirk Kings show at Autogame. And then I plan on going to Shawano Speedway on
0: Saturday. Sounds good. Well, I'm not sure what I'm doing. I'm going to Greenville, Mississippi right now with a load. So we'll figure that out <laughs> when I get back. So as always, thanks to all of our sponsors. I'm Ryan Eho. That is the Burt Lehman. Thanks for tuning in to the one to go show.